living my life like that has made it more joyful, more expansive, more risk-taking. And I would like more people to feel that kind of freedom in their lives. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. Today's guest is the lead singer of one of the most recognizable new wave bands of all time. Berlin is the band, and their breakthrough songs Sex, The Metro, and No More Words were MTV staples in the early 80s. And I can personally attest that I wore out their album Pleasure Victim on my cassette player. Berlin skyrocketed to fame with the song Take My Breath Away from the movie soundtrack Top Gun, which another release of that movie is coming out here soon. The track won an Academy Award and a Golden Globe Award. Altogether, Berlin has released nine albums, including their newest titled Strings Attached, featuring the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. She's a singer, she's an actress, she's a mother, she's an animal, and she's a trailblazer. Welcome the incomparable Terry Nunn. I love that. I'm an animal. Woo! Hey, woo! <laughs> that's cool. Usually only my husband calls me that in bed. So that's very cool. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> hey, I was just do I was just doing an ode to the to the song, but we'll take that too. <laughs> yes, that's true. The the album Animal, yes. So, but I, I didn't name it after me. I named it after a song on the record about kind of getting in touch with our animal and turning off our minds. That's one of my favorite things to do. Absolutely. And you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that song later because the story behind that and the video really spoke to me. Oh, thank you. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And also just to let our audience know, we are not backstage today. In fact, we are both COVID girls. So we are doing a remote interview and I'm in Austin. Where are you today, Terry? I'm in Santa Rosa Valley, California. And how's it looking there today? Beautiful. Windy, but beautiful. Windy, but beautiful. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, that's about what we're looking at right here in a little chilly. So we could not complain, right? We're healthy and we're in a good place, right? Austin is such a great music town. Were you born and raised there? No, but I got here as fast as I could. Let's see. I moved here in 1998. Okay. Ironically, for a song, even though most of my career was in music, I moved here for a job that had nothing to do with music. Oh. Okay. Where were you born? I was born in the suburbs of Detroit. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so big changes. Mhm. Big changes. Yeah. Well, speaking of our youth, we might do a little stroll down memory lane with the shakedown questions that we ask all of our special guests. Are you ready to shake it down? Okay. All right. Well, here's our first question. Who was your first concert? <laughs> the Grateful Dead. <laughs> I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed either, Thea. I mean, I've got to be honest, you know, they're nice guys, I'm sure, but I didn't get it at all. <laughs> I know that now that you've got to be on acid, you know, to really experience it for what it's supposed to be. And I wasn't. So I remember my date was 
a friend of somebody in the bands. So we got backstage and I watched the show from the front for a while and I was completely lost. And I went backstage and fell asleep in a piano cover top. Really? Yeah, that's what I remember. <laughs> and that was your first Grateful Dead experience. That was my first concert experience. And concert experience, all, yeah. all rolled into one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. That's going down in the books for sure. Next question. What was the first album you bought with your own money? <laughs> You're asking the funny ones. The Flying Nun. The Flying Nun, like from the show? Yep. I was, God, who knows, maybe eight, seven. Yeah, yeah. When that show was on and I, yeah, that was the first one I saved my money and bought. And my first single, you must remember singles. Remember oh, when totally. we actually had singles? Mm -hmm. was Ringo Starr's It Don't Come Easy. Do you remember that song? Oh, I love Got that song. Got to pay your dues if you want to sing the blues and you know it don't come easy. Remember that song? Absolutely. You don't have can even play them easy. I love that song. I still do. You still know all the words. Oh, yeah. I was alone a lot as a kid because we moved a lot, so I didn't have a lot of friends, so my friends were my records. Yes. I was an only child. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had stepbrothers and stepsisters, but I didn't live with them. So okay. music, same way. Music was definitely my company and yeah. my, you know, way of keeping busy and expressing okay, myself. Okay. I'm not supposed to do this, but I, I'm going to anyway. So what was your first record you bought with your own money? With my own money, believe it or not, this was an interesting choice for me. Tattoo You by the Rolling Stones. Oh, wow. Cool. Yes. Yeah, that's a great and yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, I have this cash and I'm in the record store because that's everybody where we used to actually buy records <laughs> in the record store. And I was immediately drawn to the cover. And then I realized that, oh, well, I recognize a couple of these songs. So let's do it. Oh, and that's cool. what I did. Now, my first 45, though, I begged for it and I played it repeatedly until I'm surprised my mother did not throw it out the window, but was Donny Osmond Puppy Love. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Here's the story. I can't even believe how wonderful this was for me. I did a charity event and Marie Osmond was one of the hosts, Ooh. just a lovely lady. And she said, you've got to come see our show. This was when it was still going in Vegas a couple of years ago. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be in Vegas in a couple of weeks. She said, well, come to our show. So I did. And they not only got me and my cousin and her husband in, they got us a steak dinner in this casino. And then wow. their manager walked us into the front and Oh, we're watching the show and it was actually really cool. You know, I, I grew up, I, I remember the Donnie and Marie show. And so it's, it's all, you know, their history and stuff. And so the show's, you know, looks like it's winding down to the end. And Donnie says, you know what? One of my favorite songs of all time. What, Marie? I would say it was probably Take My Breath Away. And all of a sudden, <gasps> I am all over the screens, all over this room. They had put together some kind of a video of me and Top Gun, and he looks down at me and says, and there's Terry Nunn, the singer. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a shout out. So I stood up 
And I waved at everybody and everybody's losing it. And he comes down, Donnie, he comes <laughs> down, grabs me and says, come on, we're going to sing it together and pulls me up on stage. I'm in jeans. You know, I just came to the show. <laughs> oh my God. And we sang Take My Breath Away Together while Marie took her ear monitor out of her ear so I could hear. Right. Stuck it in my ear so I could hear what was going on. That is such a great story. And I've heard it before, before I met him, just what great people they are, but I had never really experienced it myself. Now, which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist? Right now, I'm really into, like you were talking about playing that song over and over. I'm into playing songs over and over. I really love Dua Lipa's Hallucinate, just mm. a great song. Mm -hmm. I really love, and this I didn't expect because this is K-pop, KDA right. Pop Stars. If you haven't heard that song, listen to it and also watch the video on YouTube okay. because it's amazing. I'm late to this party because when I looked it up on YouTube, there are 300 million views of this <gasps> video. So I'm way behind the eight ball on this one, but it is fantastic. Okay, well, apparently I'm on. I'm behind the eight ball on this one too. So I will jump in and see that after we are finished talking. All right. So the next question is then, which woman has had the most influence on your career? My mother. Your mother. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They always say behind every great woman is another great woman. She believed in me when nobody else did. She encouraged me when nobody else did. She, yeah, she is, she is absolutely the reason that I am who I am and that I've gotten to where I gotten to. If you could have dinner with any woman dead or alive, who would it be? Her. Yeah. I had a feeling you might say that. Uh, yeah. She'd be number one. Other than her, people that people would know, Aretha Franklin or Stevie Nicks. Oh, yes. And I know Stevie Nicks has been a big, wasn't she a big vocal influencer? For oh, you? yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I still remember when I heard Rhiannon on the radio and I couldn't believe it. I was like, who is this? And I, I, did, I just mind believe. blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the store and it was so new that the store didn't know, the record store didn't know who it was. I said, well, it said Fleetwood Mac. And they said, okay, well, here's a Fleetwood Mac record. And it was one, an earlier one with Christine McVie. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it and I thought, no, she's good. That's but not, that's not, that's that's not, not her. That's not that I heard, no. <laughs> yeah. So I went back and maybe, I mean, maybe the radio was playing it before it was even out. And they said, well, we have this. And it was Buckingham Nicks. Remember that album? Oh, yeah. Their first one before Fleetwood Mac, before they joined. And I took that home and I wore it out. Yeah, there was just something about her voice and her lyrics that spoke to me. And I wanted more all the time. This is our last shakedown question. What is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? I think I'm still doing it. I asked myself that question about 10 years ago. And the the thing that motivated me the most is to further the philosophy that my mother gave me that has 
changed my life and worked for me because I find it to be true that the universe is benevolent. And the way I know that is by looking back on my life, everything that's ever happened to me was immediately or ultimately for my greatest happiness and benefit. And seeing that, I can see that the universe is benevolent. Living my life like that has made it more joyful, more expansive, more risk-taking, and I would like more people to feel that kind of freedom in their lives. And we all deserve it. Yeah, because it's true. I think that your music helps accomplish that goal every day. Thank you. You're welcome. You know what, folks? We'll be right back after this short message. Horizon Music Foundation would like to thank RAS Associates for supporting the next generation of women in music. RAS Associates is a full-service public relations, marketing, and crisis communication firm based outside Philadelphia. The firm has earned five Silver Anvil Awards from the Public Relations Society of America and numerous awards from the International Association of Business Communicators as well as the Edward L. Bernays Mark of Excellence Award. More information is available at raspr.com. Let the bidding begin as we celebrate Breast Cancer Awareness Month by auctioning a signed Gibson acoustic guitar, the anthology songbook, and a new CD, One Way Out, from the one and only breast cancer warrior, Melissa Etheridge. Proceeds go to Gifting Care and Horizon Music Foundation, benefiting breast cancer warriors and the next generation of women in music. Go to charitybuzz.com and get your bid on before November 12, 2021 for a chance to win this incredible Melissa Etheridge package. Once again, we're chatting with Terry Nunn, lead singer of the iconic new wave band Berlin. And the song you just heard was Now It's My Turn from Berlin's new album, Strings Attached. Terry, you are with the original band lineup of John Crawford on bass and vocals and keyboardist David Diamond for this particular album. Am I right? Yes. And obviously, like I said, it was recorded with the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. And I have to ask, who came up with this idea? It's a company in the UK who approached us August day 
they've done it in the past with other bands and artists and I prior to them contacting us had sung with orchestras three times mm -hmm. and honestly the first time I did that I cried I'd never heard my music so big and so majestic and so amazing I, I just I, I couldn't believe it, it it's it, it didn't make sense to me. It was so wonderful. That's what happens when we feel overwhelmed by something. Yeah. Yeah. So any opportunity I ever got again, I took. And then when John Pitcher came forward with from August Day and said, we'd like to do an entire Berlin album, all of, you know, 12 tracks of your songs with Philharmonic Orchestra, I said, well, um, let me think about it. Yes. I'll be honest with you, when I first heard the album, I teared up too. Wow. Yeah, hearing the power of the orchestra behind these songs that I had known for so long, it was interesting because it was kind of like, all right, it's not just pop or new wave. Now we're getting into something that's bigger and fuller and mm -hmm. more mysterious, a little more renaissance, but you could mm -hmm. still totally see it playing in the dance clubs. It threw me in a whole lot of directions at once, which again, I feel like the word I said before, overwhelmed, which mm. makes me tear up. Mm. So bravo to everyone involved, because if that's what you were going for, you nailed it. I am blown away by how they approach it, because Berlin has strings in our songs from synthesizers forever. You know, we've used, we've utilized those kind of sounds. So I didn't know what they were going to do. And what I loved is that they didn't just follow what was already there. They wrote counter melodies and did all kinds of stuff that didn't exist in the songs as well and added them. And that was really incredible to me because I, I don't know how to think orchestrally. I don't write that way. So this was right. like, whoa, you know, it just gave it so much more dimension that didn't, it wasn't there before. Now, the arrangement that they did for the song Sex originally didn't jive with you, and you asked them to go back. What was the story behind that? Because that ends up being, I think, one of the highlights of the Strings Attached album. Oh, thank you. Yeah, most everything they nailed right away. That one, I don't know if they were afraid to be sexy or what, but what they did, it made it a little too pretty. And that mm. song is not pretty, you want to get laid. So it's more of like, okay, let's make this more pump and more punchy, less beautiful. Because it's mm -hmm. not a romantic song, it's a sexual song. So it's a different approach. And they went back and tried some different things and nailed it. They came back with a lot of great ideas after that commentary. So yeah, I was happy with how it ended up. You know, when I listen to the song, of course, it always reminds me of, you know, the MTV world. That uh, particular yeah. song was banned from MTV because they thought it was, too, the video was too risque. You know what they, I still to this day don't understand, but <laughs> they kept sending us back, wanting us to re-edit and re-edit the sex video. And what bothered them the most was the food scene. We really? Yeah, we had people eating things and licking things, you know, ice cream and and eating, you know, oysters and and it really bothered them. <laughs> like, so, so 
Yeah. So it wasn't the fondling of no. the mannequin. It no. wasn't the fondling of the mannequin. No. It was the eating of the food. It was the eating of the food. They were like, this is way too risque. We can't do this. And we're like, she's eating ice cream. Yeah, but we, you can't, the, the, you know, the way she's doing it is just not acceptable. But, all right. Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, and, and it is totally laughable when you think about what they play on MTV or any of, you know, anywhere on, you know, now. the internet, what they right. have now, right? Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> that kind of brings me forward to the song Animal, which we touched on earlier, uh, which I believe was released in 2013. Isn't that right? Yeah. What? 2014? 2014. And I love the fact that you had mentioned that it features people ages 19 to 76 in the video. And I wanted to ask why that was important to you. Because I wanted it to be about how people of any age, size, proclivity, anything can just lose our minds and get into our bodies and into our animal nature. That's what the song's about. So yeah, it was mainly most of my friends and some of the directors, and we shot it in a working dungeon in downtown Los Angeles. It wasn't working that day. We rented it out, but it was a dungeon with all kinds of fun S&M stuff in there and cages and Queen Anne wheels. And it was really cool. Anyway, so, <laughs> so that's where we set it up. And then all my friends and Chad's friends just got to dance and play together. And then, you know, my co-star, of course, Raven from yes. RuPaul's Drag Race. So that's yes. when I met Raven. Okay. And is that how you ended up on RuPaul's Drag Race? No, I had done RuPaul's Drag Race a long time ago. I was okay. a coach and a judge. They had an episode where they wanted the queens to really sing, not just lip sync. Most queens in every situation lip sync. And this show, RuPaul demanded that they actually sing. And most of them were terrified. <laughs> <laughs> So they brought me in to kind of coach him in how to approach it. And Raven came out and this was in the beginning of the show. So none of them were done up in their queenness. and Raven comes out as a guy and he was stunningly gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And so we did this coaching. And then at the end I was a judge and he walked out as me. Really? Yeah. Ah, there you go. Me. And it was like, this guy was beautiful as a man and a woman. I right. would have done him any way, shape or form. I didn't care. He was gorgeous in every way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so we just hit it off. And when this video came along, my idea was to hire a transvestite to come in. And it would be actually kind of blurry in the beginning, whether this woman that I meet in the video, mm -hmm. that she's a woman. And then right. we're playing, we're dancing, and then we end up at the end together alone, and she takes her shirt off, and she's a man. So that was the idea. So that was the big reveal, kind of like the crying game. But... That was supposed <laughs> to be the big reveal. But Raven comes in, and he's so bigger than life. I mean, everything's just so big. His hair and his lips and his hips and... 
you know, he had foam padding on his butt and it was just, just so, there was no way that you were going to think this was a woman. (laughs) (laughs) And the director were talking about it. I said, Chad, you know, maybe we could ask him to tone it down a little bit. So it's, you know, more kind of realistic. And so he went over to Raven. He said, could you maybe, you know, just tone it down a little bit. And Raven said, this is toned down. Do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. So we're like, okay, well, that's where this is going. So we just shot it with Raven being Raven, and she is who she is, and it worked anyway. This leads to my next question about you're a mother. You have, I believe, two stepsons and a daughter. Uh-huh. And, you know, what are your conversations with them about, you know, the sex video or Animal or RuPaul and when you start thinking about how you discuss it with the next generation, especially family, how do you approach that? Or do they not care? It's hilarious that you even ask that because, yeah, they don't care. The boys especially, not into music. For a little while, my oldest, Dean, was into death metal. But oh, now, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, they're both out of the house. He's 28 and Kenny is 25. So as far as I know, they just never got into music, don't care. I am not cool at all to my daughter either, but my daughter's into music and she's turned me on to quite a bit. She turned me on to Duke Dumont recently. He's got a song called Ocean Drive. Really good song. Really good. So she listens to music a lot, but not to mine. And as far as talking about sex, if I say the word sex, she leaves the room. She's not interested in hearing about it. She doesn't want to talk to me about it. She's at that age where she's very private. She's 16. She's a teenager. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, she doesn't want to talk to me or, or hear anything that I have to say about sex at all. Right. Which, okay, please let your daughter know that I say when I was about her age, maybe a little younger, and I saw your videos, I thought, man, she totally owns her sexuality. And that is so cool. And you did it in a way for me and my young mind who, you know, grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. I, and maybe it's because of the Metro video, but I swear to God, I thought you were from London or somewhere in Europe. I did not realize that you were an American. That was kind of the goal, you know, because Orange County, that's not cool. But Berlin, that's cool. Berlin's cool. London's cool. Paris is cool. And you had me convinced. (laughs) I was like, wow. And plus it's New Wave. And New Wave was really, you know, European bands kind of carried that in the beginning. Right. And so I just thought it's another European band. Yeah, I guess we were, because that was our influence was Kraftwerk and uh, Ultravox, you know, OMD. Those were the bands that, that preceded us that we fell in love with. And they were all European. You've stayed true to that genre. You know, there's a little bit of moving in some, of, especially in some of your solo work. I felt like it was more like a pop rock mm-hmm. um, with more guitar. Yeah. But then in, I think it was 2019, you came out with the album Transcendence with the original Berlin lineup. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, since we talked about your mother before, Transcendence has a lot to do with your mother's passing, doesn't it? That song does, yeah. 
I had a she she had a conversation with me before she passed that changed me. She said, "You know, Terry, I'm going to miss you and everyone that I love here." And what's happening, what's coming for me is maybe one of the most exciting adventures I'm ever going to have. And I'm really looking forward to it. Mm. And I got it because it's not that she wanted to leave. She had advanced stage cancer and she was going to leave. But it was her approach to it that I thought, whoa, that's how I want to look at it. Yes. Because it is coming for all of us. So why not look at it that way? Because it is. If the universe is benevolent, then it's not going to stop being benevolent when we leave this earth. This is just this earth. Yes. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, you know, what a trip. It's just so, yeah, that it, transcendence is the word that 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 came to me. When she told me that, and that's what I wrote the song about, was, was that conversation with her and watching her trans transcend. That story and that song make me happy because that's how I too would like to think of it. And the first person that I heard of, especially from the celebrity side, who said on his deathbed, I've been preparing my whole life for this, was mm. George Harrison of the mm. Beatles. He, you know, he was very big into transcendental meditation and trying yeah. to really feel upper, upper vibrations. According to his wife, no fear, no fear. It was all, this is going to be glorious. So I'm hoping wow. that I can feel the same way as well. Yeah, because it's going to sure. be great, man. I mean, what, yes. you know, of course we'll be afraid a little bit. I get that because that's how our minds work. The unknown makes our minds go a little weird. But if we could have mostly a beautiful transition and transcendence from what this is to wherever we're going, it's like, whoa, you know, it's like the final big gift. I'm thinking, yeah. you know, no, none of us know, but, but I, I really think it is. I'm with you on that. And especially because, you know, we've been through so much hardship and change right now with mm -hmm. COVID and a lot of people leaving the planet. I prefer to think that there is a much more exciting, bright future out there for us. And, and like you said, the fear of the unknown is the hardest part. Yeah, that's the only hard part. Mm -hmm. That's right. In fact, speaking of fear of the unknown, I was going back through some of your interviews while I was researching for our little chat today. And people were talking about, you know, what's different now than before when you're recording and with the band. And you were quoted as saying, I'm not scared all the time like I used to be. Mm -hmm. Why were you scared? <sighs> I was scared of people, and I didn't admit that to myself until my 40s. And then mm -hmm. I realized that all my whole life I had been afraid of people, especially men, because my relationship with my dad was kind of bad and, and violent, and it was, yeah, it, it, was, it was rough. So there was an innate fear of men and feeling that they were not ever going to be there for me. And that came from that relationship. So just overall fear of people. And then this fear that all this great stuff was happening. And it was like, it could go away. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if I deserve this. This could be a fluke. 
<laughs> and so yeah. there's this fear all the time of, okay, well, it's going to go away. And, and the record labels, they prey on that. And they're not bad. I don't want to make it sound like record label business is bad. They're trying to make a dollar and they're hoping that, that whatever gravy train is happening for them from a signing that they've done, that they continue it as long as they can. So they kind of prey on, on the fears of young artists because they know we don't know if this is going to last. So they're just putting you on this treadmill of make a record, go on tour, make a record, go on tour. And I did that constantly because I was afraid it would go away. And this is, you know, this is happening right now. Yeah. Well, I lost my life. I mean, I didn't have any many friends because I was never home. I had no love life. And so all of that kind of fed into each other. And I didn't admit to myself I was afraid because then I would just get really afraid. So I covered it up with bravado and ambition and all that stuff. But now that I look back at it, I see I did all that because I was afraid. And did something in particular happen that maybe switched, you know, the mindset or a light bulb went off or did it, yeah. was it just something of maturity? Was there an event? Yes. Aging. I aging. love aging. I do. You know, there's minuses to every different age in our lives, all of them. But I love that aging has helped me to relax to enjoy more, to not need to be as ambitious. It's not just aging. I mean, I'm at a point in my life where my family's taken care of. I don't, I'm not struggling anymore. Everything's good. So now it's just like, okay, what do I want to do? It's, there's just more of a freedom the older we get, I find. Because my husband's the same way. We've been together 21 years. Mm-hmm. And he, he's the same way. And it's, it's a great asset to life is aging and growing into that. It happens naturally. And it also happens if we're doing what we want to do and we're taking care of ourselves and we're taking care of our loved ones. So that that's been a real plus to getting older. I also read that recently that you were offered the chance to write a song for the video game Grand Theft Auto and yeah. you turned it down and I'd, yeah. I'd love it if you could share with the audience why you turned that down because I look at that as you know these are some of the new revenue streams that modern artists are looking at and for this one in particular you said no yeah and that was big money that it's one of the biggest games out there but I had seen it with my sons and that is the only game that I banned them to play. When I saw the women being killed in the game and children being killed in the game, and this is just part of the game, mm-hmm. I could not stand behind watching them do this. I couldn't. They probably did anyway. I mean, you know, kids will find ways to do whatever they want, but not on my watch. So I had already had that experience with the boys, and so when Grand Theft Auto came to Berlin to our team and said they wanted a song, it was an instant no. And I remember them right. coming back to us and saying, well, Ozzy Osbourne gave us music. Did He just gave us music. And I said, okay, well, go back to Ozzy Osbourne because 
I cannot support what you're about. It's, it's, I can't support, I can't do it. I don't think it's right. Do you think that it would have been as easy to say no if you were in a different place in your career? Maybe if you were in your 20s or you were struggling or would the context of that game have been enough to still say no? That's a good question, Thea. I mean, I've never been at a point where I wasn't eating or couldn't feed my family. You know, it's never gotten that bad. I've had Mm -hmm. deep lows and who knows, you know, if I couldn't feed my kids, what I would do, that's never happened. But wherever I've been in my life so far, yes, I could say no, knowing that I can make money somehow and it doesn't have to be that. Right. I think in that case, saying yes to it would have been a fear-based decision. And again, going back to, we don't want to be scared all the time. Saying yes to that, even though you didn't agree with the game and what it was about, would have been, oh, I fear that I'm missing out on an opportunity or I fear like I won't get that money from somewhere else. And I'm a big Uh advocate of making decisions based on what you want, not on what you don't want. Uh Cool. Yeah, very true. It sounds like you did that. We're getting ready to wrap up our chat, which, oh my gosh, this just has gone by so fast. (laughs) But I do have one last question that I'd like to ask you on behalf of everyone who's listening. And I'm wondering, do you have advice for women of any age who are breaking into a male-dominated industry? What advice would you give to these ladies? What's helped me the most is not to look at that as a minus because being different than what is the majority in a business makes you stand out. That's how I always decided to look at it. And yes, I was looked down on by some men. Uh, that's That happened a lot, especially in the beginning, but not by the majority and not, not by the, the world. I looked at it as, okay, at least they're going to listen to me because I'm not just another male band. And that was a good way to look at it because it kept me positive. The other advice I would give is to learn how to deal with men, how to approach them, how to work with them, how to be a boss of them. Because as they learn how to deal with women, they have to, we have to learn how to deal with them. And, and it's helped me to figure out what the best, most positive, most effective win-win ways are to deal with men because they are different in some ways. We're all human. We're all basically about love and connection and all those you know, wonderful spiritual things You know, when you take away the plumbing. But As men and as women, we do have, we are different. We need, we have approaches we need, you know, certain things that need to be different. For example, if I have an issue with a guy in the band who's playing something that I don't agree with, it's never good for me to approach him in front of the other men. Why? I don't know, but they don't like being called out in front of other men, Mm -hmm. it will never work. But if I pull them aside and in a lovingly truthful way, tell them what, what I'm feeling, it works completely differently. They hear it, 
you know, they might be a little defensive, but it's, it's way easier and way more effective communication. So that's just one thing I've learned as the leader of a band now that men need. Right. They just want to be talked to one-on-one -on -one, and they don't like to be called out in front of other men. What a fantastic piece of advice. And like I said, for any industry, it's not just music industry. I, you know, worked in the high tech world for many years and I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was the only woman at the table as I'm sure you find yourself many times. Mm -hmm. And I love that piece of advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. I love it. Thank you for including me in your show. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say, this was so great. And I appreciate you so much coming in and our audience, obviously so many fans out there of all ages. I can't wait for people to get a copy of Strings Attached, your newest album, and check it out for themselves. A big, huge thanks to Terry Nunn of Berlin for showing up today, giving us advice, sharing wonderful stories. We appreciate the wonderful tales that women like Terry tell. Why? Because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock star. Ooh. Until next time, everybody, it's a wrap. If you liked this episode and want to stay connected, please visit backstagechats.com and subscribe to our newsletter for episode announcements, event updates, and more. Giving credit where credit is due, please visit the show notes for a list of people who made this production possible, plus links relevant to our special guest. This podcast is a Horizon Music Foundation production, copyright 2021, all rights reserved.